0: Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylightchurch Adelaide. Our first reading tonight is coming from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Um, I'll be reading out of the ESV, but um, feel free to tune in with, with whatever Bible you have at home. Chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, and cry to her, that her welfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed." And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all is beauty, is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules with him. Behold his reward, reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. And gently lead those that are with the young second reading today is from Mark and it's the entire of the first chapter one the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will cry who will prepare your way the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness And he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going out a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought him to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place where he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go into the next town, that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, saying, See that you have said nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in a desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter.
1: Hey City Light Church, North Adelaide. Um, Yeah, again, great to see you all tonight, um, sort of uh, via online church. Um, I don't know, the last week, um, wasn't it great we could meet sort of like this last week? And just while I'm here, a huge thanks to everyone who served, getting online church sort of up and happening, sort of both recording and then a huge um, thanks to Andrew Tran, um, our dear brother, who um, sweated, almost sweated blood, I think, um, last Sunday afternoon trying to get our service, uh, streams and so massive thanks to him, but welcome. It's great to see you. Um, thanks to Ruth and the band so far for helping us engage with the Lord Jesus by the spirit, uh, to give glory to the father so far. It's been great. Um, hopefully as we come now to Mark chapter one and Mark's gospel, uh, we will be fed and nourished and encouraged to keep loving Jesus and living for Jesus in these really strange times. I don't know about you, um, But um, I'm a bit of a mixed bag at the moment um, in terms of anxiety and uh, and, um, uncertainty and also energy at the same time. I'm I'm finding um, a sense of real energy energy and feeling energized uh, with the privilege of serving you and God's people at this time. Um, there's a sense of um, excitement around this new season, but I've got to tell you as well, I'm feeling pretty exhausted. I don't know if the bags under my eyes kind of indicate anything, but I'm feeling a bit, uh, bit tired. Um, I'm learning kind of on the fly what it looks like to, to love our church and to lead our church. And uh, so I'd love your prayers um, in this season um, as much as anything. Um, but uh, again, it's not all about me. We're in this together, and uh, we're going to make the most of the opportunities we have before us. Uh, to live for Jesus, to love like Jesus um, in bizarre, crazy, unprecedented, unique, all those words kind of times. Um, But uh, right now, I would love it if you've closed your Bible or shut down your app on your phone. um, Open it up again. uh, Open up your Bible again to Mark chapter 1. We are starting a series in the Gospel of Mark called Who is Jesus? we are planning a series, a short um, series, leading up into Easter, but at this stage we're just going to work our way through Mark's Gospel over the next however long as we do online church and, uh, and beyond. So uh, we're in Mark now for a little while. Uh, God willing, uh, we're going to learn great things afresh, or perhaps for the first time, about our Saviour, uh, what God our Father has done for us. Um, so. Um, Let me encourage you as well to start reading Mark's Gospel Uh, this week as well. There's going to be a resource coming out um, via Slack and other channels um, to help you um, read Mark afresh. Uh, So we're working on a resource. Uh, Look for that early this week. Uh, It's an opportunity for you to to open up Mark's Gospel afresh in a new format. Um, And you might even have someone you know who you could read the word of God with at this time um, over the phone, over Zoom, um, it could be a not-yet-Christian who you might want to engage with. So a uh, resource coming your way um, earlier uh, in this week coming. But So uh, we need God's Spirit uh, to help us know Jesus better and to understand His Word. So let's pray as we come to God's Word today. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you uh, for uh, your care and your compassion and your control um, at all times, but especially we remember that in these times. And Lord, as we come now, as your people, uh, we need you lord to speak to us uh, to remind us of what's true to remind us of what's real both now and in the future so father by your spirit and through your word we pray that lord together now we would see jesus that together now we would hear jesus and that together now we would love jesus in whose name we pray amen um over the years and uh and even today uh, jesus has been called many things uh, teacher revolutionary, socialist, uh, friend, brother, king, lord, master. Um, But Mark uh, introduces Jesus this way. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. From the beginning, Mark wants us to meet Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. That's not a surname, Christ. Um, That's a title, a title that is given to God's anointed ruler of God's eternal forever kingdom uh, that God promised to give to his people way back in the Old Testament times in 2 Samuel chapter 7. That's a sermon for a, probably for another day. But from the outset, uh, Mark wants us to engage with the facts of who Jesus really is. And more than that, Mark wants to challenge us about how meeting Jesus about how responding to Jesus must change who you are, must change who I am from the ground up. Again, chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news. Johann uh, Gelion, the Gospel. Um, it's, it's, like a, it's like a heading for the book, right? It's not just a heading for the few verses that are to follow, it's a heading for the, the whole book. Um, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and just a little giveaway at this point, and we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of this passage really soon, but right up at the top, Mark sets up what his gospel, what his book's all about. Um, Chapter 1 to 8, who is Jesus? Peter in chapter 8 says, you're the Christ, you're Jesus Christ. Um, So there's the first half of that. And then the second half, the Son of God, if you flick through to chapter 15, Jesus on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, the centurion looks up and says, surely you are. The Son of God. The whole of Mark's Gospel is all about Jesus. Christ, the Son of God. More of that as we go through. But um, the beginning of the good news. Um, It's like a heading for the book. It's not just a heading for the last little little verses. Um, I don't know, really quickly, turn with me right to the very last verse of Mark's Gospel. Chapter 16, verse 8. Heaps of scholars get a little bit confused here when it sort of ends abruptly at verse 8. But have a look. Chapter 16, verse 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb. That's the women, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So unsatisfying, right, is the end of Mark's gospel that some scholars go, we've got to put 12 extra verses in to finish it off because it doesn't quite feel right. But Mark, right, he leaves it deliberately up in the air. Why? Because the whole book is a beginning. Which Mark expects to find a finish in your life, in my life. Yeah, by all means, Mark does answer the question, who is Jesus? But in reading the gospel, you can't avoid facing this question personally. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? How will you respond to Jesus? Will you respond with faith, trust in him, or with fear? How will meeting Jesus change you? Maybe you've come to online church tonight and maybe this is your first church experience ever. Welcome. Um, This is probably pretty abnormal for you. It's pretty abnormal for us as well, so you're not alone. Uh, But maybe you've never really engaged with Jesus before. Maybe this is your first time you've heard about him. You've really sat down and thought a bit about him. Um, If you've never engaged with Jesus before... If he hasn't changed your life yet, I'm expecting that over the next weeks, as we look at Mark's Gospel, you're going to be challenged. Why? Because the beginning of Jesus, the Gospel of Jesus Christ in these opening pages, will push you to find a conclusion for him in your life. You're going to respond to him in faith, in trust, and give your life to him, or not? And if you're like many of us right here at Online Church, here at City Light Church North Adelaide, you know, you have come to know Jesus by his grace. Your life has been turned upside down or maybe the right way up through faith in Christ. I'm hoping that over the next few weeks, you're going to be refreshed. You're going to be reinvigorated, re-energised to live for Jesus, to love like Jesus in these uncertain times. But also when the uncertain times become like, well, maybe a little bit back to normal again. Um, That's my hope. Each week we're going to keep asking the question, who is Jesus? Mark's going to answer that question for us as he records for us the works, the love, the the deeds, the words of Jesus. But I'm hoping that as we do that, you'll just be called to go, wow, that's why I love Jesus. That's why I marvel every time I listen to him and hear him and see him doing things. I want to live for this guy. There's nothing better. That's my hope. So tonight... Mark will show us Jesus. He begins with Jesus. And he shows us straight up that Jesus is the powerful proclaimer of God's kingdom. Three um, brief, but I think kind of relevant points as we come to Mark chapter 1 in this time. First, Jesus proclaims the kingdom from within our broken reality, from the mess of the world. Uh, Secondly, Jesus proclaims powerfully what one day reality will really be like. He kind of points us to what the future is going to be. And thirdly, he proclaims the kingdom expecting an urgent response and action. So firstly, we're there, point one. Jesus proclaims the kingdom from within our broken reality, from within the mess of this world. So I don't know if you know Mark, I don't know if you know the gospel, but Mark's criticised right, for being a little bit unsophisticated and a little bit simple when he comes to writing. Maybe that's kind of true, but he's not unstructured, Right? Um, So Mark shows Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of God within our broken reality right from the get-go. To use Mark's own language, Jesus is good news. He is the gospel for those of us living in the wilderness, for those of us living in the desert. Um, Mark doesn't frame Jesus or introduce Jesus as, you know, baby Jesus meek and mild, like in the Christmas nativity scenes we get in some of the Gospels. Um, Nor does uh, Mark sort of introduce Jesus in terms of this kind of scandalous family tree that we encounter in Matthew's Gospel, nor do we see Jesus as the king that comes in the Davidic line. No, none of that. Uh, Mark presents Jesus to us framed by the wilderness, framed by the desert, framed by a broken world. So in verse 3, Mark quotes Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus arrives on planet Earth and planet Earth, and says, a voice of one calling out in the wilderness and bam, straight up, we meet John, right? 700 years is filled now with John the Baptist. Verse 4, people are flocking to John. He's out in the wilderness, he's in the desert um, doing all these crazy things. People come out into the wilderness to meet John. John's um, food and clothing, verse 6, um, I don't know, he's wearing kind of like appropriate wilderness desert kind of active wear um, and eating kind of active wear kind of food out in the wilderness um, because he's on the outskirts of society. Um, you know, he doesn't dress like everyone else. Um, but anyway, as John, right, though, declares that someone greater than me is coming over the hill who comes onto the scene. Verse 9, Jesus turns up out of Nazareth into the wilderness that he might be baptized by John. In verse 12, right, Mark stresses, bam, immediately at once, Jesus is driven further out into the wilderness by the Spirit. And even by the end of this incredible chapter of Jesus' kind of ministry, we find Jesus kind of moving off into a solitary place. Verse 35. The same word for solitary place is the word for wilderness, for desert. Now, Mark here in that moment isn't talking about kind of barren geography, wilderness, locusts and things like that because Capernaum, where he is, is, is lush. It's pleasant. It's like, I don't know, much of the Adelaide Hills in the middle of winter. It's just, it's nice. Mark's writing is, is, is it's, it's kind of simple, right, but it's not at all accidental. You know, biblical thinking, the wilderness, the desert, is, um, is a place of curse and grace. It was the place of judgment the place of temptation, but also the place of new beginnings. The wilderness was the place where you went to learn what it meant to be a true son of God, to to learn what it means to depend on God. It's the place of a broken reality, a bit of a mess. You know, if we look at the Bible, right? Genesis chapter 3, you know, right back to the beginning of of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, God makes the perfect world. Human beings rebel against God. And we meet Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3, in the garden. But because of their rebellion against God, they are thrown out of the Garden of Eden into the wilderness. You know, a curse, a judgment from God. You fast forward a little bit. Israel, God's chosen people. God's redeemed them through the, the blood of a perfect lamb on the lintels of their doorframe. The, the, the angel of judgment has passed over the houses where the blood was. He's rescued his people from slavery and oppression in Egypt. But then he makes them walk for 40 years through the wilderness. Um, living under the judgment of God, but, but also under the, the gracious provision of God every day as well. In the wilderness, Israel learnt what it looked like to depend on God and prepare for a new beginning in a land of blessing—the Promised Land. You know, when Isaiah, Isaiah chapter forty—that the reading that Ruth just brought us before, Isaiah chapter forty, um, Isaiah brings a message from God—a voice calling out from the wilderness. He's speaking to a nation of, of sinners, of of rebels who are again experiencing exile, far from their home, far from God's Promised Land. So the wilderness is a place of blessing, but also curse. And it's still our broken reality today. Adelaide, you know, it might be a a comfortable, might be a livable, somewhat kind of urbanised kind of place, but it's still a bit of a spiritual wilderness, you'd agree. Still a part of the world that experiences curse and blessing, curse and grace. It's a place of temptation, of curse, of judgment, a place of grace, but also a place of new beginnings. This is the broken reality in which we live. Uh, the, the broken reality of the world in which we live is still where Syrian governments can kill their own citizens. A wilderness where relationships crumble, where, where dementia and, and blindness kind of impact the age, where babies miscarried, where cancer strikes, where children die, where COVID-19... Spreads like a flood across our earth. This is still the wilderness where physical blessings and comfort often lead to spiritual rebellion. Who is Jesus? Who is this man? Well, he's the one who leaps into the wilderness, who leaps into the desert who goes into the desert to be baptised, to count himself as one of us. He shares life under the weight of God's curse and his judgement. But at his baptism, verse 10 of Mark's Gospel, it's different to everyone else's baptism, right? When Jesus is baptised, the heavens tear open. The divide between heaven and earth, between God and humanity is removed, and with it comes hope. When my son... Um, Sebastian was baptized. He was baptized with a sprinkling of water on his head, and all I heard were tears, and I saw all I heard were crying and tears. When Jesus is baptized, there is this booming voice You are my son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The barrier between God and humanity is open again, and, and, and here is hope. heavenly voice booms. But with that boom comes further temptation. Jesus is thrust out into the wilderness further and further to share in trials. But the wonderful news, brothers and sisters, is Jesus did not be overcome. He overcame. That's why Mark can write chapter 1, verse 1. This is good news. This is the gospel. This is the good news for us because in Jesus, God graciously breaks into our broken reality and does something about it. It is wonderful. It's a relief as well, right, for you and for me, that in Jesus, at last, there is a solution to our problems that doesn't depend on you and me. I love the, um, the philosopher, and I do love most of the writings of the atheist philosopher Alain de Botton. Um, He is kind of the world's most popular philosopher. I reckon that's a pretty cool title to have, the world's most popular philosopher. Um, He wrote a book, Religion for Atheists, and basically his assumption is that human beings, we have it within us to fix all the problems that exist in the world. We have the capability within you and I to fix our drums, to fix our problems. But the reality is, right, it's not the case. I feel every day the burden... Of brokenness, the, the impact of sin and disruption in our world. You know, I, I want to solve the problems, and, and many problems come my way, whether it's um, problems that arise that my wife brings to me or problems that my children bring to me or problems that some of you guys bring to me. I would love to have, I don't know, like a Harry Potter magic wand to just wave over them or the secret agent that you can just sprinkle over the top and everything is fixed. I would love that. And in particular right now, I think we would love that, yeah? Perhaps... Never in my lifetime before have I seen the fact that more and more people, so many of us, have realised we are out of control. COVID-19, coronavirus seeping across the world, we, we realise we aren't in control. And yeah, we can put in place precautions and do what we can to slow the spread, but there's a sense of which, I don't know, I feel a little bit helpless and hopeless in the face of this. you know, you, as well, you know as well as I do that The brokenness that we experience in our own lives in this world can't be sorted out by something within us, but it can be sorted out by someone, and that someone is the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this from John Stott. Um, He quotes in his book, Basic Christianity, Many people visualise a God who sits comfortably on a distant throne, remote, aloof, uninterested and indifferent to the needs of mortals. Until it may be, they can badger him into taking action on their behalf. Such a view is wholly false. The Bible reveals a God who, long before it even occurs to man to turn to him, while man is still lost in darkness and sunk in sin, he takes the initiative, rises from his throne, lays aside his glory and stoops to seek until he finds him. This, brothers and sisters, is why Jesus is such good news. Jesus proclaims, within our brokenness, within our messy, messed up, busted world. That he is our hope, that he will lift the burdens away from you and I. We don't have to fix all our problems. So Jesus comes, the bold, courageous proclaimer of God's kingdom in our broken reality, which brings us to our second point tonight, which Jesus proclaims. Jesus proclaims powerfully what reality will be. He gives us a glimpse of what the future will be like. When God's kingdom comes in its fullness. In this chapter, we just get like little bite-sized tastes of the fullness of the reality that is to come when Jesus returns and makes all things new. So in Mark chapter 1, chapter 1 verse 14, John the Baptist, he's kind of taken out of the way, literally, he's handed over into prison, which is like a foretaste of what the Lord Jesus Christ will experience uh, just before he dies for the sins of the world. So with John out of the picture, Jesus kind of steps forward and Jesus does it with the power of the one who can baptise not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit. The very power of God, God himself. So Jesus proclaims a coming reality, right? And he invites you and I to join in it with him. He proclaims the kingdom and he gives it a certain sort of power in verse 15. Check it out, chapter 1, verse 15. The time is fulfilled. This is Jesus speaking. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. So repent and believe in the good news. The good news for us in the wilderness, in the desert, in this broken world, is that there is a new world coming. There is a new creation coming. And Jesus gives us glimpses of what that new creation is going to be like throughout chapter 1 and 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 basically the whole of the gospel. But here we get the beginnings of what it's going to look like. Jesus in uh, Mark and in Mark chapter 1 here doesn't so much kind of speak or explain much about the content of God's kingdom. He just kind of enacts what it's going to be like. Um, One commentator, J.C. Ryle, says this, uh, quote, Mark is no abridged copy of St. Matthew but a history of your Lord's works rather than his words. Um, one little pointer. As you're reading Mark's gospel, you'll note, I don't know if you've got one of those Bibles, you know, like the red letter Bible. Some people go, oh, you shouldn't have a red letter Bible because, you know, all the, word, all the Bible is God's word. You shouldn't have just the bits that Jesus says standing out. But if you do have one of those, and I'm not opposed to them, by the way, um, if you do have one of those, you'll notice in Mark's gospel, Jesus, there's not, if you have a red letter one, Jesus doesn't actually say a lot. But when Jesus does speak, it's really important. It's really significant. Jesus doesn't so much say a lot, but he does a lot. Um, Mark, right, is designed to be this like choppy, racy, kind of James Bond-like account of the life and work of Jesus. It's exciting. It shows that Jesus is a man of action, uh, the future, full reality of God's reign. Jesus kind of just demonstrates. This is what the future is going to be like. Let me show you. He gives us little samples um, man i would love just a sample of kleenex toilet paper right now as we sort of run low at our home but you know i'd love a whole big pack so you imagine it's just a sample but here's the big pack so here you know as we go through just look at what jesus does look at what he does so in chapter 1 verse 16 and following jesus calls his first disciples simon and andrew and at once they they drop their fishing nets and they follow jesus Hot on their heels, like James and John, almost identically, but in verse 40, right? We're told they also leave their father behind. You know, this is Jesus, right? Proclaiming the kingdom. And he says, you know what? My kingdom is better than your job. My kingdom is better than employment, better than biology. You know, all the normal places, right, that you and I run to for our identity, our job, our career. Um, our family lineage and history, whatever that might be. You know, Jesus says, here's something better. You know, and that's that's good news, right, for you when work is tough. It's good news for some of us already when we've lost work at this time. It's, uh, it's good news, right, when family friction is high. Um, I'm not about to, you know, leave my wife and children because, you know, Um, We're now going to have to live with each other 24-7 for a particularly long time. But, uh, you know, I don't know, there's a sense here, right? When friction in the family is there, you know, there's something greater to cling to. There's someone greater. There's a greater place. In verses 21 to 28, there's there's another incident. Um, This new reign of Jesus has power over... Evil forces. It's it's so wonderful. So this demon, right, in verse 24 rises up and says, Jesus, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy us? Now there's conjecture, right? We don't really know for sure whether the demon sort of rises up and says, have you come to destroy us? You know, me and all my other kind of demon cronies and friends? Or have you come to destroy us, all those people who are sort of defying the lordship of Jesus and the, the living for the living God? Um, it's hard to know. But either way, right, the demon recognizes that Jesus is powerful. You know, rather than normal exorcisms of the day, which require sort of chanting and magic objects to be located in the right spot, I mean, Jesus just simply speaks a word and bam, gone. He's got real power over real evil. It's wonderful. Um, I don't know, for those of us right here who are inclined to kind of, I don't know, ignore or downplay spiritual realities, um, here is kind of a humbling reminder, I think. Um, There are great forces out there that we don't see. But on the flip side, right, for those of us here who sort of, you know, I don't know, um, make a little bit too much of evil spirits in this world, it's it's kind of comforting, right? Compared to Jesus, they don't have much power at all. Look at Jesus. Jesus. He has real power. Here's a future that you want to be part of where there's no evil. Where there's just real hope. I mean, in verse 29 and following, Jesus has power over sickness. I mean, not to make big of COVID 19 or coronavirus, but you know, here is here is hope for us in the midst of, of a pandemic. You know, Jesus hears that Simon's mother in law is sick. With a deadly fever. Again, back in the first century, if you got a fever like this, you know the outcome was pretty much certain that you were going to die. And Jesus steps in and, and bam, sorted. She's healed. In the final episode of this particular chapter, which we pick up in verse 40, you can see how Mark's just kind of racing through. Bam, bam, bam. Here's another taste. Here's another taste. Here's another taste. We come to verse 40, the cleansing of this leper who was, you know, Outside of the people of God, outside of community, um, one of the things I think is really interesting at this time is: here's a man, right, who probably hadn't had human contact for a very, very long time. You know, from members of the community, from from members of his own family, no human contact, no touch. You know, and I don't know. We, I'm feeling a bit of that already. Like I'm not the biggest hugger in the world. I'm not the biggest kisser in the world, but man, I'm I'm missing some of that human touch. But here's a man who's experienced this for probably almost all of his life, and he's excluded. And here we see Jesus has power over religious barriers. In verse 41, we see the amazing compassion of Jesus. The original text conveys this sense of Jesus experiencing real anger over how this man has been treated. He demonstrates his power, he demonstrates his compassion by healing this man, but in the end of verse 42 the real goal is ritual reintegration or reacceptance. It's back in. Jesus proclaims a, a kingdom that is not just powerful over suffering, but over religious barriers that hold people back from being in relationship to God. I don't know, are you getting the picture? Here's, here's Jesus proclaiming what the future is going to be like. Rather than talking about it, Jesus just gives away free samples all over the place of what it will be like. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the bringer of God's better reality, of, of the future that is certain, where there will be no sickness, no crying, no death, no grief, for the old has passed away and the new has come and we will be with God and enjoy him forever. And Jesus here is saying, here it is. Jesus is the bringer of God's better reality. And, and even today, right, proclaiming the kingdom of God and this better reality has real consequences. I've seen this in ministry where men and women who've come from incredibly dysfunctional backgrounds... who who, as children have been impacted negatively by their parents and have gone on to live that way, have met Jesus and have radical encounters. I remember one man um, who was from a really dysfunctional family. Um, He became um, an abusive father. He became an abusive husband. Um, As a result, um, um, he he was was this really tough man. He, He hated followers of Jesus. His wife was in such a bad place that she ran to the church to find friendship and connection. Um, in the, he hated that, by the way. He hated the fact that that had happened. But he went to church to find her one day. And he heard about Jesus. He was struck by the power of Christ. And he gave his life to Jesus. And, and not everything in his life was kind of radically turned around. But so much so that it, his marriage was restored. And he continues to follow Jesus today. And one of the most beautiful things, right, is his view of himself has been changed. He now realises that he is a man deeply loved by Jesus, valued, affirmed. And that's given him a renewed sense of self, not just power of positive thinking, but a deep transformation, because he's met Jesus. It's that sort of transformation that causes people to marvel at who Jesus is. So much so, right? You read about that in this chapter, right? Verses 22 to 27. The crowds are just like gobsmacked. They are amazed at the authority that Jesus has to fix brokenness. Jesus didn't just talk about the future reality. He allowed people to sample it for themselves, just like the bloke I met. And I don't know about you, when you when you taste those samples, and I don't know, right now when we're living in the midst of this pretty obvious brokenness, it makes me hunger for this future reality to become like fulfilled, more than ever. The question to you then is, don't you want to be part of this future kingdom? But giving small samples, right, um, you know, just out in the first century, wasn't Jesus' aim. Um, Jesus powerfully proclaims what the future will be like so that many people might experience it one day in the full, which comes brings me to our third and final point. Jesus proclaims the kingdom And expects an urgent response. Um, So verse 32, um, Jesus' reputation is building, right? He has become very, very popular, right? And and the sick and the needy, they're just like queuing up to to, to meet Jesus. Um, But Jesus, right, rather than going out to meet the fans, I've never had that experience, but, you know, going out to meet the fans, um, he withdraws to the wilderness, to the desert, back to the place of grace and curse, He draws strength from his father in prayer in that place. And the disciples are like, where is he? Where's Jesus gone? Um, They go out to find him. They're searching for him. Jesus, they find him. What the heck are you doing? Why aren't you with all your people? Um, You know, they're going, you're missing out on the fame and the popularity and maybe some really great contracts and endorsements and things like that. You know, come on, Jesus, come to the crowds. But no, no, no. Jesus explains what he has come for and what his priority is. Have a look at chapter one, verse 38. Let us go, says Jesus. To the neighbouring towns. Why? So that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. Jesus has the the big picture in mind. Um, Jesus is not interested in short term band aid solutions. Um, His goal isn't simply to sort of heal a little bit of passing suffering that might come. Um, his goal is not simply to reform family life, you know, like the guy that I met. And he does that, but he does so much more. His real goal, his, his real priority is that as many people as possible might come to, to find out who he is and what is in him and therefore be fit and ready for his new creation to come. Jesus doesn't want to be popular. Jesus wants to be Followed. And so Jesus proclaims the kingdom urgently, and he calls for like two responses. And the first response is this urgent repentance. Jesus wants people to repent. Chapter 1, verse 15 The kingdom of God is near, says Jesus, so do what? Repent and believe. Because when God's kingdom comes in full, all who haven't repented and believed on the Lord Jesus will be destroyed. That's what the scriptures teach us. Like the demons of chapter 1 verse 24. There's no place in God's future reality for those who won't acknowledge Jesus' rule. You know, so Jesus says, repent. Come back to me. You know, real confession. Real repentance. That's what Jesus is looking for. He's not interested in people who will just kind of flock to him. Who will fulfill their kind of temporary needs. Um, He's not even interested in people, right, who are able to accurately describe and identify all the things that Jesus did, right? The demons could do that. Chapter 124, you're the Holy One of God. Jesus wants real repentance, humility, a realisation that we haven't just broken God's laws, we've we've broken his heart. A real confession like the tax collector at the temple who stood at a distance, have mercy on me, god for i am a sinner it means real change and jesus calls for that urgently the kingdom of god is at hand verse 15 we said a couple of weeks ago as we were thinking about COVID 19 and its its impact on our world and and on our lives individually as christians and as our church um, i mentioned right that um, you know, it's important, and I'm, I uphold this, and we as a leadership here uphold the fact that you ought to be. I hope you're even washing your hands while I'm preaching, um, at least rubbing on hand sanitizer. I don't know, you know, just keep doing those things and keep the social distancing happening. But, you know, I, I mentioned in that sermon a couple of weeks ago, you know, no amount of hand washing really is going to kind of will protect us ultimately from death in some ways. Death comes to us all. You know, and I was thinking the other day, right? I feel like at the moment, there's a sense at which, you know, you go, I reckon the only thing that could kill me right now is COVID. And if I just stay clear of COVID, I'll be fine. But the reality is, we could be impacted by other things any minute. And as a brother in Christ, as a pastor, as a leader of God's people, as a representative of Jesus, I want to call you today to repent. To come back to God. Trust him. Trust him. Because no amount of hand washing, no amount of rubbing on hand sanitizer, no amount of social distancing will ultimately protect us from death. We want to be prepared to meet our Savior. So, one of my jobs, right, is to prepare people to meet their Maker. And I want you to meet your Maker with your soul in good shape. So, trust in Jesus. Like Jesus says here the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. Because Mark's style, right? Yep, it's simple. It's a little bit unsophisticated, perhaps. It's less wordy. Perhaps a little less well-structured. I don't know. But there's lots of ands in this chapter. You know, the translation drops most of them. Otherwise, it would be like a three-year-old telling the story. You know, and then, and then Jesus. And then he did this. And then, and then God. Like, you know, like, just like, come on, get to the point. But... But it's done that way because it's a book of action. He writes that way because it's urgent. The word immediately, the word at once, appears in verse 10, 12, 18, 20, 21, 23, and 30. I hope you noted them all down. Test at the end. But I I hope... I hope you'll see the urgency. The kingdom is near. Trust in Jesus. Repent. Confess your sin. So, we heard in... The, the reading from Isaiah, right? Don't forget Isaiah wrote, you are just grass that withers flowers that fade it's a, I think it's a good word for us today repent, trust in the Lord Jesus and the second response that Jesus calls for is, is unconditional following, he calls for urgent repentance but he calls for unconditional following now, that's really what repentance kind of looks like. We we turn to God, we turn from the direction we were traveling and we turn back to God and then his priorities, his agenda becomes kind of our overriding agenda. Um, Jesus calls people in verse 15 to repent and believe the good news. What does that look like? He walks by the Sea of Galilee, sees um, Simon and Andrew and John and James and he says, come follow me, unqualified following. And just as we wrap up, I guess the two elements that I think are really pertinent to us in terms of what does it look like to us to follow Jesus in these days, one is proclamation. Just as Jesus said to his disciples in those early days, um, I'm not about the crowds, I'm about the business of my Father who sent me into the world to proclaim the good news. That's what I've come out to do. And by extension, you and I, if we're followers of Jesus, that's what we've kind of been called to do as well. And so in these uncertain times, in these days where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, may the Lord give us opportunities to proclaim the good news. Not arrogantly, not not forcefully, but naturally, as we just live lives with a different posture and poise at this time. Less panicked, less anxious, and ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. That we might make the most of this time proclaim the good news of Jesus for the kingdom of God is near but secondly I think one of the things that stands out to me in chapter one about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus is that like Jesus we shine the compassion of Christ into the dark world in which we live into this broken reality Jesus um, comes across a woman who is sick and he gives himself to her and she is healed. Yeah, Jesus comes across a leper, outcast, ostracised from, from society and he brings him back in. He shows gut-wrenching compassion. And so brothers and sisters, let us be like Jesus. Let us love like Jesus in these times, showing the compassion of Christ. That's why we have established City Care at City Light Church North Adelaide for this time where it's an online resource um, to hold out Um, The practical love to members of our local community, North Adelaide Prospect and beyond, Um, providing people with practical needs, urgent supplies, um, a friendly phone call, um, a prayer. Have a look at it and direct people you know to it if they need it. We've also released those care cards as well where you and I can sort of adopt our local street or the houses around us and shine the compassion of Christ by connecting with our members of our local neighbourhood. Use those things we have. You don't have to use those, by the way. You can just shine the compassion of Christ as the Holy Spirit leads you to do. So let us be men and women who, in this time, proclaim the good news of Jesus as we have opportunity and also shine the compassion of Christ at this time. Who is Jesus? He is the powerful proclaimer of God's kingdom in our broken reality. It points us to the beautiful future Well, there'll be no COVID-19, no grief, no sadness, no tears, for the old has passed away, the new has come, and we'll be with God and enjoy him forever. It all begins with Jesus. How will it conclude in your life? The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the good news. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for all the good things you give us. Uh, Father, we praise you and thank you for um, relative health and safety at this time. We praise you and thank you, Lord, for um, medical specialists and care and hospitals and facilities to care for the sick at this time. Father, we thank you for the food that you've given us to eat at this time. We thank you, Father, for... um, Our church family, those scattered that you've given to us at this time. But we, Lord, we praise you above all else for the best and most, uh, most amazing thing of all. The gift of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, as we open up your word and as we see Jesus tonight. Father, we thank you that in Jesus we have one who speaks with authority. We have one who acts with great humility and compassion. We thank you that we see in Jesus one who um, displays power over evil. And Father, thank you above all as well that, Lord, in Jesus, we have one who has come who can deal with our rebellion and our sin once and for all. So, Lord, help us to hear Jesus tonight and to afresh, repent of our sin, come back to you and afresh recommit ourselves to the good news of Jesus. And so in these uncertain times, Father, help us to be men and women who proclaim the good news and, Father, who live out the good news in word and in deed through acts of compassion, of love and care for our neighbours. Lord, help us to look like Jesus, to sound like Jesus, to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to audio from Citylight Church North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about Citylight Church or to donate to the work of Citylight Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church/northadelaide.